Passion adoring fan. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Now let's focus on some winners. Triple in for Chuckery. Hey, maybe the Hawks need two things. They need Grady Jarrett to go in that locker room with a tennis racket, and they need Kirby. They need Kirby Smart to go in there and give him one of those uh, legendary pregame talks where he peels the paint off the wall, but that no- normally doesn't work with uh, professional athletes, but oh well. All right. Georgia going for the three-peat. Hope Pat Riley doesn't uh, sue me for that. Yeah, he did trademark that, by the way. So, Georgia has some players in the uh, transfer portal. No shock there. Ari Gilbert, the tight end. Brett Seether, another tight end. They're in transfer portal because that tight end room is kind of uh, a little crowded. Cornerback uh, Jaheim Singletary. A lot of DBs already on the depth chart with four more from this year's uh, signing class. He's going elsewhere. Defensive lineman Bill Norton, that big 6'6", 300-pound redshirt sophomore from Memphis, headed to Arizona. Not a shock there. Maybe up to 10 guys will end up leaving, but good Lord. This is a team that's returning about 75% of its roster. Loaded. What is it right now? 66 four- and five-star players on the roster up there at Georgia. Oh, and guess what? Defense ain't going nowhere. They started seven freshmen and sophomores this year. Yes, you are losing some key key dudes, though. Jalen Carter, of course. Chris Smith. Keely Ringo. And now... You're breaking in a new quarterback, Carson Beck. Carson Beck, my big advice to him, not that he would ever listen to me, Carson Beck needs to worry about being Carson Beck and not be Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett was a once-in-a-generation type of guy. I'm not saying necessarily talent-wise, but his will, the fact that he has no conscience on the field, whatever bad happens to him, he immediately lets it go, unflappable, And I think it was Stetson's spirit that really guided that team. But Carson Beck, very talented, though. AAU basketball background, very good baseball player. He can scramble a bit, too. He's not a statue back there. Yes, he is kind of a classic drop back in a way, but he's more mobile than you think. He can scramble, kind of a physical runner at 6'4", 220 something. Big arm also. You also have Brock Vandegrift. So I think uh, Carson Beck is not anointed the starter. He's going to have to earn it. Georgia's biggest worry, I think, is Georgia. The notion of complacency. Now, Kirby Smart said that complacency may have started to seep in. You can feel like you arrived. Is that, a, is that an issue with Georgia? Certainly. I mean, the last repeat in college football – how about this? The Gophers, all oh, the Gophers of Minnesota in 1934, 35, and 36. That was a mathematical system used from 1932 to 63. Georgia's claiming four national titles overall. But I'm telling you, 
the schedule certainly is friendly to Georgia. If you're a fan, you're annoyed as hell by it, but it, it certainly is <laughs> conducive to a three-peat next year. But this schedule is a joke. It's an absolute joke. Let's see. You want to go over this, shall we? How about this? Man, y'all should start camping out for tickets right now because September 2nd, UT Martin comes to Athens. Dylan, they used to be our our Gulf South rivals in Division II, UT Martin. Did they really? Yes, they did. I did not know that. They moved up. So did Troy. Okay. I didn't know that either. Oh, but, but, uh, but if you miss out on that UT Martin game, fear not, on September 9th, Ball State comes to Athens. Yay, Woo! man! I, I, I want. That's going to be a barn burner, right man, there. Man, I want to disrobe as I read the schedule. That's how excited I want to disrobe and disrobe. just slather myself with oil. So when you when you read through this Georgia schedule, you do not feel like a declawed cat with all. What, what did you say yeah. about a declawed cat? declawed cat? Broken spirit. Broken spirit. That's right. Hopeless broken spirit. <laughs> South Carolina does come to town. Spencer Rattler's coming back. South Carolina. They certainly finished the uh, year on a high note. But then UAB comes to Athens, too. So first three or four games, God, this is wretched. Why can't you do better with this home schedule? I know you had an agreement with Oklahoma, but that got the kibosh was put on that because they're coming to the SEC, I guess. So what? Why can't you just still play it? I don't get it. They, they, they come up the works with all this nuance and legalese. Well, you know, since they're coming to the SEC, we're not going to do that because this, that, and the other. Oh, give me a break. So Ball State, UT Martin, and UAB. Then you go to Auburn. That'll be interesting. What's Auburn going to be with, uh, with their new coach and his band of hookers down there? Uh, UK coming to Athens, Kentucky, okay. At Vanderbilt. I'm always accused of finishing too early. (laughs) Then you go to Jacksonville. Missouri comes to Athens on the 4th. Ole Miss is coming to Athens this year. Lane Kiffin and company. You go to Tennessee this year. That'll be interesting, certainly. And Georgia Tech up in at. No, Georgia Tech's in Athens. No, Georgia Tech's going to be in Atlanta this year. That was in Athens last year, wasn't it? Yeah, they got that one mistaken, but... That home schedule is just, that's a joke. That is a joke. Yes, I know. I know. We saw upsets last year. I understand that. But it's no, it's no guarantee Georgia's going to three-peat. No guarantee whatsoever. And I, I'm going to tell you this. And up, Dylan, can you find the David Pollock thing with Saban sitting there? Because this is my point. I'm telling you. David Pollock, not that Nick Saban needs any sort of motivation, but David Pollock may have awakened a sleeping giant with some remarks he made during that national championship game between Georgia and uh, TCU. And I, I think Alabama's going to be back. Nick Saban ain't done yet. Listen to this. And, and Georgia, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, They've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys losing. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any team, but. Yeah. Nick Saban might be 71 right now. After hearing that remark, we're going to get a 58-year-old Nick Saban next year. I guarantee you. Alabama ain't going nowhere. And I, I just don't. It is so difficult to win one, let alone two, three. 
And now there's a spoiled fan base that expects it every year. There, I think, and I'm a Georgia fan, but I will never be as insufferable as the Alabama fans. You're not entitled to anything. But we are dealing with young men, very young men who aren't very mature, most of them. A lot of them are probably more mature than I am now. I'll give them credit for that, but you know what I'm saying, though. You're getting all those pats on the back between classes, all the headlines, all the accolades, all the perks. You start feeling like it's just going to happen every year. This could go away quickly. And I'm telling you, I am sensing, and I hope I'm wrong. I'm not trying to stir up any nonsense. I just go by, by, I just go by what I hear. And I, I, am, I am pretty astute in a lot of ways. You know, Kirby had some soundbite where he says, you know, I, I texted my wife. It was the night before the national championship game. He said, I texted my wife and said, you know, I haven't always been a good husband or, or good father because I devote so much time to this. See, that's, that's one thing that's in the back of his head, certainly. A couple of years ago during COVID, he, he wanted to resign almost. He, he's dealing with the notion of burnout. He's, he, he has limited, limitless, limitless energy, clearly. But the realities of college football now, with NIL and the transfer portal, it's so chaotic right now. Eventually, there are going to be some constraints on all this stuff, but I think what you have to do, you have to let it get as chaotic as possible in order for you to define what the adequate and fair parameters are. It's going to have to get a little bit more chaotic. It's going to burn out. It already has burned out a lot of coaches. Coaches have left the profession. I've talked about this. They've left the profession because they don't want to deal with the nonsense. And it is a bunch of nonsense, certainly. But certainly you've got all the pieces coming back. And Carson Beck looks like he's the real deal, hopefully. And Brock Vandegrift, not go, don't go to sleep on him. And uh, who's the other guy? Gunnar Stockton. He was the one running a scout team for TCU. He, mimic- he took the old black jersey off and took some hits. Yes, he took some hit on yes, he done Bloody Tuesday. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, he, he was Max Dugan for the Yes, he was week Max or two. Dugan. Yep. And apparently he did a good job. That Georgia certainly looked prepared against a high-powered offense. So we have a – Carson Beck is not necessarily – this. he might be – Number one with a written in pencil on the depth chart. But Gunnar Stockton appears he won't he has some won't to in him. Okay, I'll go take some hits. I'll be a sacrificial lamb to help us win a title. Don't underestimate that intangible toughness. Guess who else got his start? Being a sacrificial lamb. On the scout team. Stetson Bennett. He did such a good job of being Baker Mayfield leading up to that epic Rose Bowl victory a few years ago. But, you know, and Kirby can talk about how, no, we're not the hunted, we're the hunters. Well, I hope he can uh, still instill that on this team. See, the difference between last year and this year, I think, was the fact that last year you had a lot of guys go to the NFL. So this year you had a bunch of new starters and guys playing significant amount of time. They didn't necessarily win anything. Kirby told them that. But next year it looks like, you have a lot of guys coming back that saw a significant time this year, so the notion of complacency might be more valid next season, more so than it was this season. So if Kirby goes a few years without winning a national title, I hope somebody doesn't start putting a for sale sign up at his house and all this other nonsense that 
ridiculous, stupid college uh, fans do. Because I honestly think we're going to see the reemergence of Alabama next year. And I don't. I think Clemson. But the rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to remember, you did struggle in games against Missouri and Kent State. You can say, well, they're bored, this, that, and the other. No. You're going to get everybody's best shot every week. And going up to Tennessee in that environment, there's no guarantees. I mean, it's easy to feel so hyper-confident when the team you love has gone back-to-back. But there's certainly no guarantees whatsoever. And hopefully Kirby can impart that on that group. I'll say it again, the most important phrase. This year's team, a lot of these guys weren't significant contributors on game day because of all those guys that went to the NFL. This year's team, the significant contributors, the vast majority, they're coming back next year. That's where the complacency can uh, – they think if they can just uh, throw their helmets out on the field and win 65-7, to seven, well, you got another thing coming. And it's not going to be easy. The motivation is going to be the key. That attention to detail, that sense of urgency. And I think next year is actually going to be one of Kirby's most challenging years. It's hard to motivate the guy that's already been fed and fed very, very, very well. That's human nature. So, Hard to eat when you're hungry. Yes. I mean, when you're full. Yes, sir. I know. I knew what you're saying. Don't worry. It's all good. So, good luck. It's going to be interesting, though. We're going to come back and do some headlines. I mentioned the uh, transfer portal. Well, something is hopefully being done about it. We'll get into that and other headlines next. Triple in for Chuckery Sports Radio, 929 again. It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Robbie Tribble in for Chuckery. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. NCAA trying to cut down on allowing multiple transfers by an athlete. Now, they're going to evaluate each on a case-by-case basis. Mitigating factors like uh, physical injury, illness, mental health issues, Physical assault, abuse, sexual assault. Otherwise, they're going to not let you transfer so often. Now, last year, about 3,000 players entered the portal. Now, with 3,000 kids in the portal, why even bother looking at some unknown high school kid? They're going to lose their shot. They've got to figure this out. It's turned into the wild, wild west. And by the way, if you're a player like JT Daniels, and I go, everybody has their own existence and for whatever reason they're doing, but JT Daniels, is on, what, his fourth school? Tate Martell, remember him? Ohio State to Miami to, I don't know, Brigham Young, I don't know, to Washington to uh, he's going to walk on and play basketball against Zach. I mean, stuff like that is ridiculous. And the thing is, it makes you look like an impatient, entitled flake. And I think they're actually doing themselves a disservice. They have no sense of irony doing that. So if you're a guy that is talented, but you keep hopping from school to school to school, who's the common denominator? Your mirror and NFL personnel in that 15-minute interview during the combine, why do you keep switching schools? And you better have a good reason. Otherwise, 
may not get drafted, may not even be invited as an undrafted free agent. You're really doing yourself a disservice. So the NCAA has to figure this out. looks like they are to cut down allowing multiple transfers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to really hurt the sport. It damages high school players' abilities to uh, also get a scholarship. And like I said, it's chasing coaches out of the games. Like, I don't want to deal with this nonsense. I don't want to coach high school. I'm going to run a camp somewhere. I've got $5 million in the bank. I'm done. And you're going to lose really good coaches. And what's going to happen? The caliber of player coming out of college is going to suffer. And what's going to happen? The standards the NFL has might go down ultimately because, well, this is all we have. And the, the caliber of play in the NFL ain't what it used to be. Tackling is terrible. Quarterback play has been god-awful. Have you seen Dak Prescott? And that's because of a bunch of different things. You're not tackling to the ground anymore. You're not practicing as much, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, what you got? You can see what – it's almost the same as what has started to happen in the NBA. You used to see a lot of more, at least solid NBA players. You're still getting – Great NBA players from here to here, but I mean, how many times do you hear a year? Oh, if you're not picking in the lottery, it's not worth it. Right, right. It's because we're seeing so many one and done athletes in college now. It's watering down the NBA talent. The same thing could happen in the NFL. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And and God bless you. If you can do a one and done, you get drafted. I want people to make all the money they want in the world. But if you take a thirty thousand foot view of the whole situation. It can hurt the product. The NFL, it ain't what it used to be. It's still, it's still highly entertaining. We're always going to love our gladiator sports, aren't we? It appeals to that primal nature within us, of course. Uh, judges ruled that uh, the Miami Heat can dissolve naming right, their naming rights agreement with uh, FTX currency. Why? <laughs> you know, because $8 billion kind of just disappeared from their coffers, right? Disappeared like a fart in the wind is what they say. Tom Brady, the brand ambassador, he lost about $93 million. Giselle lost about $57 million. And Brady and Giselle Booch and their defendants in a lawsuit against the founder, Sam Brinkman-Fried, oh, he's going to end up suicided. He's going to disappear. Somebody, yeah, he, he's pissed off the wrong people. Bye, Sam. Well, They've been uh, they're the they're listed as defendants along with Sam Brinkman Freed for deceptive practices and to push that scheme. As far as the uh, Heat's arena, it's going to be called the arena. <laughs> Isn't that refreshing? I like that. Where are the Hawks play tonight in Miami? What's that arena called? Yep, the arena. <laughs> so, if the AFC Championship comes down. To the Chiefs and Bills, it will be played here in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz. I love that idea. Although, I still wish, see, KC and Buffalo, those AFC championship games, that should be a cold-weather game, though. That's where you're not only battling your opponent, you're battling the elements. That's football, my friend. That is football. But I like that idea, though, because I I guarantee, oh, you don't – Kansas City and Buffalo have two of the best fan bases in all of sports. I mean, Bills Mafia in Kansas City, they love that team out there. They will take over this town, and I love it. For all the restaurants down here and the hotels, they can always use that. Give the town a little pulse. You know, I'd be okay with that, but I do kind of wish it could be a cold-weather game if it comes down to that. So, 
a little turbulence, dysfunction, getting into it with your coach, complaining about the front office, complaining about your teammates. Well, that's paved the way for the end of the uh, Joseph Martinez here in Atlanta. Kind of sad to see, but there's a buyout. It's going to allow him to sign with uh, Miami, and we know what Joseph did. He, he, he was one of those dudes. I mean, he's, he's an iconic sports Atlanta sports figure forever now. I'm certainly grateful for him. 111 goals, 17 assists, and 158 appearances with Atlanta United. And I think he was, I think he was due to earn about $4.1 million this year. I will always say, though, one of my favorite all-time Atlanta athletes, Miguel Almiron. Miggy, that was my guy. First Atlanta United game I went to, and it was the very first one at Grant Field. I go, damn, who's number 10? That's a quick little dude, and I fell in love with that dude, and I was very sad when he left. But, um, of course, um, Joseph got in an altercation with uh, Gonzalo Pineda following uh, that loss to Portland. Fed up with the team, fed up with the front office. It was just time for, for a divorce. He flipped over some food. Flipped over some food, that's right. Well, you know what? Sometimes I wish somebody flip over some food in that damn Hawks locker room. Right, bump their beans and rice. Yes, flip bump it all those over. Beans and rice. You saw what I did earlier. I had I had listeners cursing on air, didn't I? You had two f bombs uh, dropped. Two f bombs. I got them so fired up. Yeah, we're gonna do that again at ten o'clock. By the way, maybe we might. We're gonna revisit the Hawks though, because that's I think that's the big story right now. We can bask in the afterglow of Georgia. That's great. And of course, we're gonna get into the Falcons as well, a little, little NFL. But we need to revisit the Hawks because that's the biggest issue. That's the pock upon the Atlanta house right now is the Atlanta Hawks, certainly. Let's see what else we got. A little college basketball. Are they getting fed up with John Calipari up in Lexington? Yeah. UK is a 1-3, 10-6 overall. A lot of people feel like he's lost that team. There's just no – I guess they're playing like the Hawks. I guess you could just, just – Bring UK down here, let them be the Hawks, take the Hawks up to Lexington, just swap uniforms. It's the same thing going on up there, same sort of thing, apparently. And I guess patience is uh, wearing out with John Calipari, but sometimes you've been somewhere too long. I go back to this old thing. Joe Walsh, the legendary NFL head coach, said, after about 10 years, it's time to go. The message runs stale, sound of your voice, the whole thing. You need to move on. The team needs to move on. Elsewhere in college hoops, uh, Georgia getting a victory over Mississippi State last night, 58-50. They're now 12-4. Not bad, certainly not bad at all. Like I said, is it time to start paying attention to Georgia basketball? Well, they're at Oxford Saturday at 1 o'clock for a date with uh, Ole Miss. Georgia Tech, they had that nice victory over 12th, then 12th-ranked Miami. Well, since then, lost two in a row, Notre Dame, Florida State. They're going to host the uh, Pitt Panthers Saturday at 3 at McCamish. And uh, Jackets 1-5, 8-8 and eight and eight overall, 1-5 in the conference. How about Clemson, though? 6-0, and 14-3 oh, and three overall, but they're unranked. They're in the others receiving votes category. Maybe it's a schedule thing, maybe. They're, are they playing Agnes Scott, Brunel, you know, places like that? <laughs> oh, dear. And uh, Duke is uh, kind of middle of the pack right now with their uh, new head coach. So Funny story about uh, Brunel University. My, uh, my girlfriend, she actually has done some PA work for Brunel University for their women's basketball team and the volleyball team. Uh, no, 
uh, basketball and soccer. Oh, that's cool. Does she have yeah. the chops? Do you have the voice? Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of cool to do a little public address stuff, right? What does she want to do? Does she want to go into sports when she's all? Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's 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 all into sports. She she works digitally for the – have you ever heard of Lake Point Sports? It's a facility down there in Alatoona. No. They have a big – they have like they have like 16 regulation-sized baseball fields, like 15 regulation-sized basketball courts. Really? So they host a lot of uh, high school stuff, a lot of AAU events, things like that, a lot of oh, travel baseball cool. teams, yeah. Well, guess what? She does a whole bunch of other If stuff. you're a woman in this business and you have a modicum of talent, you're going straight up to the top. Good or bad, it is what it is. I mean, there's a there's a lot of – I mean, Susie Culver, wonderful. And I told you about my story with her. She was she was just all about me in uh, that 1997 NLCS down there in Miami. Man. Looking at me all bright-eyed, looking all cute, and I missed my chance. Should have shot your shot, yep. Rob Tribble. Uh, Doris Berg, I think she's great. Andrea Kramer, legendary. Andrea Kramer, when she uh, tried to get a job at NFL Films, they asked her, okay, can you diagram the famous Packers sweep? Did it perfectly. Just, uh, yeah, a lot of them. I mean, there's some dudes that shouldn't have gigs. I mean, trust me, I'm, I'm I'm not being that at all. I'm just saying women, and plus, think about this. I agree with the notion of have very, very attractive uh, sideline reporters. Guess what? If I'm a player, who would you want to talk to? Me or some cute little blonde, you know, or brunette or whatever? I mean, that's just nature. That's just the nature of it. So there you have it as far as that goes. So, yes, we are going to revisit the uh, the Hawks thing. And, of course, they're lost last night. And uh, Hawks uh, – they're in India. A little brief, little back-to-back road trip too. They got the Pacers tomorrow night in Indy. Then they go up to uh, Toronto to take on the Raptors. I've always wanted to go to Toronto. I think that I've heard that's one of the, an amazing city. Yeah, I've heard it's great too. I've heard nothing but good things. Nothing. My, my my girlfriend's sister's boyfriend uh, is from or he his family is there. He's from I think he's from there. He's from there. Yeah, he's from there. I've heard good things. The Hawks come on my Monday to take on the Heat. Then they go to Dallas on Wednesday, and that's going to be uh, Trey versus Luca Day on Sports Talk Radio, I think, all across the country. <laughs> Knicks come to town a week from tomorrow night, and then uh, the Hornets do as well. So, Hawks, uh, a busy week, and right now, though, unfortunately, the Hawks with uh, 19 wins, halfway point of the season, on track to win uh, 38 games, and it just doesn't seem to be getting any better whatsoever for, for a thousand different reasons, so. We're going to get into the uh, NFL playoffs a bit, and, of course, going to come back. And uh, Arthur Smith talking and talking a lot yesterday, as was Terry Fontenot. We're going to dissect what they say as the Hawks go into a very – Hawks, the Falcons go into a very, very pivotal decade-defining offseason. That is next. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Rob Tribble for John Chuckery. So we kind of got the uh, postseason, postmortem state of the Falcons yesterday with Terry Fontenot, the GM, and Arthur uh, Arthur Smith. And he's also on with uh, Dukes and Bell. And, um, well, got a lot of money. Got your draft picks. 
Let's get this thing going. I wonder if you as a fan base, now I, I detected your frustration when I did the Falcons flyover. A lot of losing happened this year in the most agonizing ways in a lot of very close games. Eight of your ten losses by one score or less. And uh, that became frustrating. And uh, I think the cruel, the cruelest thing about this season was going into the year, I was thinking, well, they're going to win seven games, probably not going to be in the playoffs. But then you saw the state of the NFC South. And then I predicted accurately so. I've actually had several predictions come true lately. That's not like me. I predicted TCU would beat Michigan. I predicted the Falcons would win seven games. I also predicted eight and nine would win the NFC South once I started seeing what was going on. In late October, I started feeling that way. But that's what was so frustrating about this year. You know, I asked, I asked for a couple things during the preseason. I want this Falcons team, since the expectations to have them hoisting the Lombardi Trophy were delusional and far-fetched and magical thinking, do two things for me. Be interesting to watch, be competitive, and play with some passion. Uh, Check, check, and check. They did all those things, and they were very interesting to watch. But the fact is, even though the expectations weren't that high, then they started winning a little bit, and then the rest of the division started losing every bit as often as you were. You found yourself in first place in November, and you were not mathematically eliminated until losing to the Ravens in the third to the last game of the season. So that was frustrating. But now, if you take a step back and let's do the proverbial 30,000-foot view, wow, this team's pretty close. I think Desmond Ritter saw – I saw – Pretty drastic improvement in Desmond Ritter. The four games he started, he got better and better and better. There's still not a big sample size, but he still made some plays. There's a lot of good things to see. And I still think the Falcons need to bring in some veteran free agent on the cheap, preferably, to kind of push Desmond Ritter. And there's a lot of those guys out there. Uh, Don't even start thinking about a trade for Derek Carr. If you look at his numbers on that contract, it gets to be pretty, uh, pretty expensive. And Lamar Jackson, just stop. Please stop with that. We don't need a quarterback. You're going to go out and get that quarterback, and then the rest of the team's going to be terrible, and that's going to put a massive burden on him in the running game. No. You've got to shore up the middle of that offensive line, center and guard, one of the guard positions. The other guard is a, an all-pro. Maybe get a little depth there. We need a bunch of guys on the D-line. Linebacking core looks pretty good. Give A.J. Terrell a bookend back there on the back end of that defense. Guess what? A lot of money to do that with. And Terry Fontenot doesn't seem like he's going to spend all that money like a, like a young kid that signs his first big contract and goes out and buys 10 sports cars. There was that couple in Florida, some old country couple, dare I say white trash, they won the lottery – they went out and bought 23 IROX. <laughs> I swear to God. Wait, what is an IROX? It's an old sports car. Camaro. Oh, okay. IROX Z, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> I forgot. They bought 20? But 23 of them, yeah. 23? Yep. You've heard of people, when they get rich like that, when they have nothing, they go nuts. You see it with athletes. Oh, my God. Had I been fortunate enough? To be in that situation, oh, I'd have been, I would have spent all my money. 
I would have been in rehab three or four times. Knowing me, impulsive and hedonistic as I was and still can be at times, you know, my heart is good. I'm a well-intentioned man. I'm a gentleman. But I, but I do, I, I had some demons back then. I like to have a really good time. And uh, I think I would have uh, squandered it. But I'm, I'm digressing. I think you'd much rather hear from uh, Terry Fontenot than uh, me talking about my prior hedonistic years. And let's hear from uh, Terry Fontenot. And he talks about how he and Arthur communicate about those guys coming up the pipeline. No, absolutely. And, and that's the good thing about, we talk about that, about our, not just our relationship, but the relationships throughout the building, whether we're talking about Kyle Smith and Dave Ragone or Marquise, all, all the, we have a lot of really good close relationships and we're constantly talking, whether it's a text message, um, it's a call. Uh, again, I always get these, but I got a text from Kyle like three weeks ago at like 11.45 at night, and he's watching tape on our team against someone else, and there's a player that he kind of likes in, in the game, and he's texting me about it. So those conversations naturally go on because of the relationships throughout the building. And aren't they um, – isn't Arthur coaching at the uh, – is it the Senior Bowl or the Shrine game? Shrine game. The, the, the whole staff, the whole uh, Atlanta right. Falcons staff, and then the whole New England Patriots staff coaching the Shrine Bowl. Well, that, that's a good thing, isn't it? You get to really eyeball those kids and talk to them. Let's, talk, let's hear from Terry Fontenot on the benefit of that. Yeah, I, I think every exposure is important, right? Every exposure that, that, that every time you get to deal with a player, like it, just for example, you talk about a guy like Desmond, right? And, and what we really appreciate about Desmond is the way he handles himself, right? The way he handled himself in the building when he got here, the way he handled – the, the approach throughout the week, the way he handled himself as a backup, and in the games, the way he handled himself. He's, his, his poise, his confidence, but the type of teammate he was, everything. So from the very beginning with Desmond, from reading all his reports, talk about the toughness and the mental toughness, all those areas, spend time with him at the Senior Bowl. You see him at the Senior Bowl, you see the same thing. We see him at the Combine, it's the same thing. When we sat down with him at the Pro Day, and you see the same thing. So every exposure to these players are important, and our scouting department does a good job getting, getting exposed to the players, but sometimes our coaches don't get to spend as much time. So then if you can spend more time with the players and be around them even more as opposed to just the meetings, getting to see them in every in the dining hall, in the meeting rooms, and then the exposure our coaches get, also our staff gets more exposure if they're coaches in those games. So so that that's critical. And, and again, our staff does a really good job, but it's every exposure is important. And like I bring up Desmond to say that there was a consistency throughout every time we were in touch with him. So getting to see these other players even more, we'll, we'll take advantage of that. Oh, wait, wait. I think we have breaking news. Let's see. The, the, the Hawks fell behind last night, right, and they ultimately lost. But, but, but Nate, Nate McMillan has something to say. I saw a lot of fight in our guys, um, you know, to be down 24 points and to fight your way back. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, we were – We didn't finish. <laughs> we were riffing on – the fact that uh, Nate has the same five sound bites after every Hawks loss, which has become all too frequent. So, we'll, I saw a lot of fight in our guys. I know, uh, Nate. Yes, you did. Well, we'll we're going to hear from you again later on. But right now, though, you know, the Falcons, we have said this thing this year about defining a culture and an identity. 
Well, Terry Fontenot has some uh, things to say about the virtues of that. It's every every day, every you're competing and doing the very best you can in whatever you're doing. How you do anything is how you do everything. That's the approach. And I think it's the the, the way our group, the the, the way – we handle adversity again. It, the heart of it is our head coach and our coaching staff and our players and the the, the leadership in in the locker room that we that we talked about. But it starts with them. And and regardless of what happens in the game, we have a tough loss. They're ready to roll on Monday. And whether it's on the practice field, in the weight room, in the meeting rooms, everything they're doing, they're ready to go. And the enthusiasm, if you, if you come out to – if you go out to the field and you see the way the guys fly around at practice all the way to the end of the, the, the last game of the season, man, the enthusiasm that they're playing with, the way they're competing, it's it, it's it's the real, the positivity, the optimism, and, and the way the guys compete and work hard, that's what – that's what the culture is. It really is. It's about getting better. And it doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we talk about draft picks and free agents. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter. Like, when the guys are in the building, the best guys on a weekly basis, the best guys are going to play. And, and we're going to find the best players to put on the field. So I would say the culture is, is it's about continued development, continued competition, and it's just a real positive group that they all know we're, we're setting the right foundation and they know the direction we're moving in. All right, there you go. As far as this uh, culture, though, you got to be you, you got to find guys that fit it. Certainly, yeah, it, it's a very it's a really detailed process, and and there's a lot of structure to it. So they they're the first, they're boots on the ground, they're gathering the information first, and like I said, it's not they're not just reporting what this coach said about the player. They're looking at the total picture and going through, and it doesn't it goes all the way down into the haze never all in the barn we we so we have the december meetings we'll have february meetings we keep gathering information then we'll have the meetings in april and all the way until we're making the pick they're still gathering information but then we get involved and they basically again give us the information and but we're continuing to gather it but 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 it's a very um detailed structure with specific questions on hey does this player fit our ethos it's not a simple yes or no why does he fit the ethos why doesn't he fit the ethos what's he missing um and and it's a it's again our scouting department does a really good job then the coaches get involved and we continue to go through this process and it goes right down to the wire um so it's it's a very detailed process um it's not just as simple as checking the box yes or no there's a lot that that is involved in it and we're all guilty about this one thing we just want we're always thinking about edge we need that guy we need that edge rusher we need that dog we need that and the other it doesn't just end there now think about this edge rushers haven't really bothered tom brady throughout his career what's tom brady's achilles heel pressure right up the middle in his face that's what's made him uncomfortable here's a terry fontenot on that that notion about maybe too much emphasis placed on the edge. You look at some early season, we had some critical sacks that ended games, and it was a player sitting on a route, and the quarterback had to hold the ball a tick long, and then it gave him a little more time to get there. Like Coach is saying, we, we need to improve the total team. Yes, edge rushers, it's always a premium position. We have some players that we're excited about that, that, that need to take the next step, and we believe they will. So, But we're always going to prioritize that position, and yet when you improve, if you have a, a stout defensive tackle that stops the run on first and second down, then you get more pass rush opportunities. When you have the secondary, the tight coverage, you're forcing the quarterback to hold the ball longer. When you're playing with leads, and so uh, offensively you're playing with leads, then you get more – the guys can pin their ears back. So it's a complimentary game. So you're not just going to add 
one player at a certain position, and then all of a sudden the sack numbers go up. It's about improving the total team. I know there's a lot of uh, very passive football fans. You know, they, they like football. They, they know Georgia won, has won consecutive national championships. They're thinking, well, hell, why don't we put Stetson on the Falcons? Well, you know, he's slated to be a fifth to seventh round pick. Probably not going to be a star in the league. But you never know with a guy like that, certainly, in all fairness. But chances are he'll be a backup and an accomplished one. Of course, Stetson today has a fallback gig. He was working some fast food uh, restaurant today in the window. Look, look, Georgia, um, obviously, man, that program, two in a row. Um, Not only Stetson, but they have a lot of good football players. I mean, you just look at the class that they put out last year, and they got a lot of good football players. Kirby's doing a hell of a job there. And um, that's kind of Georgia, too. You know, I have kids that are in grade school, so I go to the high school games and stuff, and I'm kind of around it. It's unbelievable in this area, all the talent um, that you have, even park ball. You know, um, going and watching my son's 11 and going and watching a little football. Those little 10 and 11-year-olds in this area shouldn't be doing the stuff that they're doing, the plays they're making. Like, that's not real. Um, he, he was at some training facility last night. My wife's texting me, and, like, it's crazy what these kids are doing, pulling sleds and the stuff. So it's um, this area is um, – there's a lot of really good football here, man. So it's fun to watch. Happy for those guys, but we're not ready to get into evaluations right now. You know, I had a bunch of friends uh, growing up when I grew up over there in uh, Belvedere Park. You want to know where some dudes were that had that dog in them? Gresham Park. Gresham Park football was not for the meek or the mild. A lot of my boys played over there, and they were they were tough dudes, man, tough customers. And um, I don't know, it's just kind of funny. When he's talking about park ball, I immediately thought about Gresham Park. Even Midway, the Midway Mighty Mites, they had some dudes too. We're going to come back here from uh, Arthur Smith as well. We're going to – and I'd like to take your – we're going to take some calls. I'm, I'm kind of taking more calls tonight than I normally do, but I want to hear what you think. We've heard what you thought about the Hawks. What is your degree of optimism with the Falcons moving forward? I would love to hear from you. 404-741-0929. Please call me. I'm lonely.